Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 55 is entitled, The Stories of the New Testament, Matthew Chapter 6, The Sermon on the Mount, Part 3, The Lord's Prayer. We offer a weekly podcast, Monday through Friday. Each Friday we discuss the New Testament, King James Version. We are now in Matthew chapter 6. In last week's podcast, podcast 50, we analyzed concepts 1 through 3 of the Lord's Prayer. In this podcast, number 55, we shall analyze concepts 4 through 12. If you have not listened to podcast 50, may we invite you to do so now. Concept number 4, Thy Kingdom Come. Kingdom, of course, suggests another relationship we have with our Father. Christ acknowledges that God the Father is the head, the quintessential ruler of all things. That shows the relationship between the Father and the Son, because the Son is also referred to by John the Revelator as King of Kings. Revelation 17.14 These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords, the King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Christ has many names, but the mystery is easily explained. Everything that the Father has, he gave to the Son. In John sixteen fifteen, we read, All things that the Father hath are mine. And even more exciting, everything Christ has, he promises to give to us. That is the economy of heaven. Revelation 21, 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. When Christ is referred to as Lord of Lords, it could refer to the fact that the Father is the Supreme Lord, and he made Christ Lord, making him Lord who comes from the Lord God. And when Christ is referred to as King of Kings, it means that Christ is our King. And he made us kings, making him king of kings. What did Christ mean when he said, Thy kingdom come? We can best answer that if we add the next concept. Concept number five. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. There are two kingdoms of God. One refers to his church on earth, and the other refers to his kingdom in heaven, referred to by John the Revelator as New Jerusalem or Holy City which of course leads to the second coming of Christ. We may go again to John the Revelator for an explanation. Speaking of the church, in Revelation 14, John records, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And what is the purpose of the church or earthly kingdom? 
John tells us above. Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. In other words, the kingdom of God on earth is to prepare the saints for the kingdom of God in heaven. That kingdom is described in Revelation 21 and 22. The purpose of the church or kingdom of God on earth is to prepare the saints for the second coming of Christ. Paul teaches us that same principle. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The second kingdom also refers to the millennium as described by John the Revelator. Revelation 21, 1-4 And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. As we have seen, the Lord's Prayer is very comprehensive and filled with doctrine. Christ is teaching us how to be more like Him and to pray as He prays. Concept number six. Give us this day our daily bread. As with so many scriptures, there are multiple meanings. Bread refers to temporal bread and spiritual bread. God knows that we must nourish our body. Therefore, we need daily bread, meaning physical nourishment. However, God also knows that we must nourish our spirit. John six thirty one through 35 Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. First of all, that is further evidence that the Father and the Son are two separate beings. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Who sent that bread? Jesus said, My Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. But of course, as with all scriptures, there are layers of meaning. Just as we must nourish our body daily by feasting upon temporal food, we must nourish our spirit daily by feasting upon spiritual food, or the words of Christ. Bible means books. Holy Bible naturally means holy books. Christ gave us the scriptures with the intent that we would read them daily. In the Lord's Prayer, Christ is speaking of a balanced diet, 
both temporally and spiritually. Concept number seven, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Obviously, Christ is speaking of two debts, one temporal and the other spiritual. Only Christ can forgive our sins. No one else has that power. He paid the price of our sins. Therefore, we are in his debt. How do we pay Christ back? If we were looking at our debt to Christ as balancing our checkbook, we can never repay him. It is beyond our power. That is what Christians refer to as free grace. The debt can never be paid off. However, Christ has asked things of us that we can do, though it is not much more than a token. One of those is that we can forgive others their trespasses against us. He was very explicit in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew five forty three through 44 Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. All of the commandments of Christ have a common theme. Each commandment is to teach us to be like Christ, to imitate his virtues. That expands the Lord's Prayer, for it is both a prayer and a covenant that we will strive to live a more Christ-like life. Concept number seven, and lead us not into temptation. James tells us, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Since we know that God does not tempt us, we can only assume that Christ is asking the Father to lead us away from temptation, which is made clear by the next concept. Concept number eight, but deliver us from evil. That reminds us of the curse placed upon Satan in the Garden of Eden. Genesis three fourteen through 15. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The posterity of Adam and Eve are given the power to bruise Satan's head. The serpent has become the image of Satan. Everyone knows that the way to kill a snake is to crush the snake's head. Satan, however, is immortal and cannot die. The head symbolized the seed of his cunning. Satan is the master of deceit and the father of lies. He can force no one to do evil. Therefore, he must use subterfuge. Christ is asking us, to ask the Father for the power to bruise Satan's head. In other words, to prevent us from falling into Satan's traps. As Peter so aptly said, 1 Peter 5, 8 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. That image, devour, shows how completely Satan wants to dominate us. Scriptures use terms such as bonds of iniquity, yoke of bondage, and snare of the devil. Concept number nine, for thine is the kingdom. Concept nine, for thine is the kingdom, is in direct parallel to concept four. 
thy kingdom come. As we learned in the Beatitudes, inheriting the kingdom of God is the final goal. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. All directly relate to the kingdom of heaven. It is no coincidence that the Lord's Prayer begins and ends with the kingdom of heaven. It relates directly back to Matthew 5.48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Only after the resurrection and final judgment can we enter into the kingdom of our Father in heaven and be made perfect, even as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. That is why Matthew 5.48 was placed following the Beatitudes. Matthew 5.48 is the ultimate promise for all those who endure to the end and enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who are sanctified, perfected, and purified by Christ can enter into the kingdom of heaven. The purpose of the entire Lord's Prayer is to help us return to the presence of God. Concept number 10. For thine is the power forever. Concept number 11. For thine is the glory forever. Consider Christianity's favorite scripture. John three fifteen through 17. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What then is the power and glory of God? Why did the Father give his only begotten Son to die for our sins? The Father and Son are one in purpose. Their power and glory is that the children of God might have one, eternal life, two, everlasting life, three, eternal salvation. Let's not overlook the final concept. Concept number 12. Amen. Amen means so be it. It derives from the Hebrew, amen, which the dictionary tells us means truth, trustworthy, faithful, and verily. Again, quoting the dictionary, this time Merriam-Webster, it is usually repeated by the congregation to assert that solemn ratification or hearty approval. Christ is offering the prayer, but when we pray, Christ instructs us to pray in his name. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it.
Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.